Hey everybody, Kip here. I just want to start the episode first uh, by apologizing. If you're listening live, then uh, things have been a little late lately. Sorry about that. If you're going back or uh, listening back, uh, you won't notice that because it'll be at the proper dates. But just been some uh, health complications the past couple of weeks on my end that have uh, slowed things down. And then also um, on my track this week, I do have uh, some people um, in the background that might show up on the track. Uh, there was a scheduling um, snafu, so uh, there were some people around while I was trying to record. But this week, though, uh, you are listening to The Book Club, where we look at things in a murder chunks like a book club. And we're looking at Comrade Fies, the fourth chunk, episodes 16 through 20. And... Shin. Listen to Common Rider with me. This is episode 186 of the Book Club. This is uh, our uh, show where we look at things in a book club format. This time it's Common Rider Fies. This is our fourth episode, looking at episodes uh, 16 through 20. And I'm uh, Kip, and with me is Steph. Hey, Steph. Hey, Kip. Where to, Stephanie? No, um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steph. Hey, Kip. Uh, that took a couple <laughs> takes, but that's no one's fault there. Fuck uh, it, we'll do it hey, live. Yeah. Oh. Hey, David, what's up? Hi. Uh, so here we are getting ready to talk about Fies. But first I want to say, uh, is there anything uh, new or exciting uh, come on for anyone or in the past two weeks? Um, I've destroyed my thumb playing Street Fighter. That's a pretty good, like, if, if you have to destroy your thumb, I feel like that's what I would choose. Yeah, I... I mess my thumb up pretty good not not like mess it up but like I, I have a callus now on my thumb just from from playing oh that's pretty dope though um but then i decided to buy a a fight stick so now i don't have that issue oh hi. who are you maining manon she's a new character for six i've heard she's like a really cool like a like she gets powerful between like rounds or something right yeah she's like a she she's like a judo practitioner but mm-hmm. every time she gets her like uh, grab, uh, she gets like these things called like metal levels, and she keeps them through rounds. So if you're managing to throw people a lot in the first one, maybe two rounds, she can start to deal a whole lot of damage to where like one throw is like almost half of a health bar. Oh, that's intense. Yeah, I've heard like so much good about that game. It seems like like they kind of like made it work for them. Like this is like the first one. Wow. It's it is great. It's so good. And like the open world stuff is like looks cool as someone who's not a fighting game player. <laughs> it's very if you've ever played any of the Yakuza series, it is very similar in ways to okay. that. Yeah. I like the Yakuza series. They just announced like a new one where you're like a secret agent. Did y'all see that or no? No, I haven't yet. Well, it- as we were talking about off mic, I'm having not exactly been keeping up with video games as much as I should lately. Um, it's like a spin-off game following like a character after they've like um a character who like left the franchise is coming back as like a secret agent who's lost his name. Oh, interesting. Like a dragon, Gaiden, the man who 
racist name and you can like fight old school style or you can fight like a secret agent with like gadgets oh that's pretty huh. cool yeah well we did um since last time a little bit of a commonly writerly news in that Sasha and common writer oh <laughs> uh, that was fun uh mm. it was very busy it was nice you mean a theater or the movie yes both <laughs> uh like Shin Ultraman, it's kind of like an homage to the series, so it's kind of like a bunch of different episode plot lines happening mm -hmm. throughout the movie, uh, but it's pretty good. It felt like, man, like, people really care about this, like, original show, and there was, like, a, a like, couple, like, shot-for-shot, shot, like, scenes from that, like, show, like, mm. in the movie, then, like, after the credits, they showed, like, part of the, of the like, first episode of that, like, show to show where they, like, match the shots. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is hmm. pretty cool. And then um, on the game beat, I saw people freaking out um, on Twitter because, like, the new Spider-Man game has, like, a, like, suit that's called the, like, Tokusatsu suit in it. So. Really? Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't either. <clears throat> Is that the Supaidaman, like, suit? It looks more like a dark Power Ranger suit, honestly. Oh, okay. But mm. they should do that one. Yeah, they should. I haven't seen that new movie, but I hope they have a live action like dude there to like clash for all the art styles. They probably won't. And um they probably would have heard it, but still, you know, that'd be fun. Yeah. But no. Um before we get started though, um I picked out a couple of questions. Uh not five this time, because I <laughs> can't keep themes. Also we wanna uh, get to the main stuff, but we have uh three questions that we've picked um to look at. Including one that kind of smacked me in the face with the realization hmm. uh, that I didn't realize. But um, if we all have this open, Steph, do you want to read the first question? Sure. Let me uh, open that doc because I was keeping it hidden until we got here. Okay. Um, K Book Club. I wanted to follow up, <clears throat> excuse me, last time to say that Steph is right. Takumi and Kusaka is a big ship. Kip is also right. And it being a uh, cracky ship and Takumi and Kiba being big too. Uh, Kasuka and Mary is one ship that I won't say too much about, but gets a little weird due to the age gap. Kasuka is portrayed by Murakami, who is 27, and Mary was portrayed by Ahaga. I'm sorry, I'm afraid to butcher names, so I'm going with what I think is easiest. Yuri Ahaga. Yuri Ahaga and Kohei Murakami, yeah. Okay. Who was 15 when Fize was filmed. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Wait, 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 wait. Mari's actor is 15? <laughs> yes. I didn't what realize that either because she definitely doesn't look 15. No. It's hard because they're all like 19 and whatever. So like they all look like babies. Yeah. And Well, and I'm kind of used to a lot of the actors in these shows, not just in this one, but in a lot of them falling into that weird gap of you not really knowing what their age is. Because they could equally be as young as they could be old just because they're actors and they're attractive. Like, you don't... It's yeah. a lot more difficult to tell. And, like, hairstyles and clothes being, mm -hmm. like, so, like, weird and also, like, uniform. It's like, okay, who's what age? Who knows? Yeah. But I was like, she's 15? I never do that. Yeah. She's crazy good at acting. <laughs> In these shows, like, things can start to look dated so quickly, too. Like, even something from 10 years ago could look like something just as easily 30 years ago, because that's just how, like, you perceive passage of time and things. So, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, that is a weird ass age gap. Thanks for following up, PT, um, from last time. Uh, Definitely. But yeah, so I just really was like, oh, like I get he's twenty seven, he looks twenty two, fine. But her big fifteen, like, knocked me for like a loop. I was like, wow. Uh, yeah, that rattled me. I I would have said if somebody had like held a gun to my head, maybe nineteen or twenty, but fifteen. Ooh. So like, when she was in a weird AU movie this year as Smart Queen, she was like thirty four, and it was twenty years after the show came out. I was like, wow, that's that's wild. <laughs> hmm. I'll grab question number two. Um, this is another returning question. A returning question asker uh, in Jesse. But hey, book club. Hi, I want to ask another question. Um, now that we are in a better show, uh, I think she sent the question at the end of the last show. Um, mm-hmm. Of Shogeki Goregan, yeah. Yeah, uh, which, true, I think uh, was a show we had a lot of issues with uh, yeah. by the end. What do you think makes a Tokyo show worth watching compared to an anime or less action-focused drama? And thanks from Jesse. And yeah, um, there's a lot of reasons, but I think they tend to tell like a certain kind of story that I think is fun to like get engaged with, and the action can be cool. Uh, what do you all think? I like the formulas with Toku shows. Like, I I don't know that I really have a lot of room to speak on this because the only anime I've ever watched like fully was Sailor Moon, and that was when I was a young, young like preteen when it first came out in America. So mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot of experience with that. Kip and I have watched a couple of movies that were less Toku. Um, but I just, I, the thing that I like about Toku is I know exactly how each episode is going to play out. They all play to a very specific formula. And if you're someone like me who has that very specific type of ADHD, that is so comforting for you <laughs> to know exactly like what beats are going to happen when. And I, I just like that about it. Not only do, am I going to get a good story, but I'm also going to get some action and great fight scenes and just, some really funny dialogue a lot of the time. So it I, I can take comfort in knowing that they're almost always going to play out in specific ways. Mm. Yeah. Any thoughts, David? Um, this is a little bit harder question for me to answer. Just thinking about it, because the question is what makes a Toku show worth watching compared mm-hmm. to an anime or less action focused drama? Yeah. Right. And I find it really hard to kind of articulate what makes it worth watching. I think I think that the thing that Toku does well specifically is it is in a weird way if you if you're like a fan of like the Marvel TV shows, I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of Tokusatsu shows from Japan were doing that kind of thing like way before uh any of those shows were were doing it. I think there's like the, it's it's that melding of like that superhero like fantasy type stuff with mm-hmm. the drama. And I think that a lot of the Japanese shows specifically are like pretty melodramatic in some cases, but they have like a continuing story and right. they're you know the characters are involved where like. At the end of a, a current like Marvel series, typically I just like I don't really give a shit about like, yeah. where the characters mm-hmm. are. I would say something that's like comparable is something like uh, Daredevil. Yeah, like th- Daredevil is a Toku ass show. 
it's it is extremely dramatic. There's lots of special effects. There's dudes in costumes. It's like you know superhero base. The main character has a like character arc from start to finish. Like there's so much mm-hmm. going on there that that really actually kind of mirrors Vice in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. maybe not quite. It's not quite as dark yet as Daredevil got, but yeah, it's just I think that. What makes it worth watching is the fact that there is a continuous like through line story where mm-hmm. I think a lot of more Western style like uh, anime or like action drama, it's it's kind of like a here's the episode for the day. You kind of watch it as the episode and when the episode's done, it's finished. That's they've moved away from that a little bit now, but I think that's kind of the draw for me. And also they, they're very like unique concepts. Like mm-hmm. even even yeah. inside Common Rider, none of those shows are really the same. Like, yes, there's tropes, but everything has tropes, right? Yeah, and like I think um, there's something um to be said like for like what we like what did we end up liking about Shogaki Koragan? It was like the moments of like the mundane like street level stuff of like oh he's eating a like meal and like we're seeing his monster form or like the like small like shorts they like filmed at the end of like each episode you know mm-hmm. right because the fight the fights in that show like to me were just like inconsequential because yeah. i didn't care about the plot so i'm yeah. like okay this this is a fight that's supposed to serve the plot but the plot is so bad like i don't care yeah and like what steph said like about like formula is it like um i don't blanket like everything toku in fact this past year there's been like four or five series that like we've covered um like shogaki koraigan Rider black sun the common writer double anime where i was like man this this is like dookie water uh this is really bad <laughs> um but like i like that like in a lot of comrades stuff, it's like okay how is this person like outside of society how is this person like dealing with like not having a place and like articulating their beliefs and like what kind of mark they want in the world and also maybe they're poor and homeless and they're like working weird jobs and how are they going to like talk to like local small people like it's not like just like they aren't just like hanging out with like billionaires it's like oh like what's this pizza shop owner doing you know and that's a cool formula for me who likes that like street level stuff you know yeah want to grab uh, the last question david sure Hi, writers. I love the show and want to write in. How many hidden fives are in this show? I know that there are five episode chunks and five questions per episode, but are there more? Raphael. Oh, we broke that second one. I was about Um, to say, Kip, how fucking dare you? You read this question and then you only (laughs) gave us three questions. uh, Why? Not anymore. Such a dick move. Well, question number four. From (laughs) Steph. Why? Why? Oh, there we go. Exactly. Question number five. How could you? Exactly. <laughs> Question number six. Can I eat this? <laughs> I would do this again. Uh, but yeah. Um, I mean, this is the fifth show we've covered as a group. What the fuck is it really? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Oh, shit. I didn't realize that either. Um, This started on May 5th. Are you doing this on purpose? Man. You are a a dark character here. (laughs) I had no idea that your Easter eggs ran this deep. Are you part of Smart Brain? You have to tell me you're part of Smart Brain. (laughs) He is part of Smart Brain. He's the five part of Smart Brain. Mm. No, we're keeping it five by five over here. But yes, uh, this was 
what like part of the reason of like oh if we do show Shogeki Gori Khan I was like five could be the fifth show and it could start on May 5th and then <laughs> I was like and five episodes for hmm I didn't realize any of this and if I had I would have started recording five tracks at once on audible <laughs> or on my audacity I mean you know just to keep in with the theme so you can just be like yeah and Steph records five stereo tracks every time we record and David has exactly five pop tarts every time he sits in front of the microphone I wish I had five Pop-Tarts. I wish I had five. God damn it. Now I want five Pop-Tarts. Yeah, I want five Pop-Tarts. Like oh. five different ones or five of the same? Is it like... Uh, f- five different for sure. Okay. Because like five brown sugar Pop-Tarts and you're just having a bad time. That's that's a lot. Yeah. That's just you asking to spend the rest of the day on the toilet. Who are the five Pop-Tarts that you meet in heaven, everyone? Oh, man. Mm. I don't know, but like, what are the best pop top flavors? Is it like a graham cracker chocolate one? There's like a s'mores one. Strawberry is pretty good. I was about to say my my favorite will always be the s'mores one, and that's just yeah, because when I was younger and uh, we were very very poor, that was one of the things that my parents would splurge on for us to keep from having to buy us like actual meals a couple times a day. Just a giant box of those s'mores pop tarts, and I still have a special place in my heart for them. I'm a wildberry fan. Uh, yeah, I do like wildberry. But I th- I think people I think people don't like that one. I just like I feel like that one is like a weird acquired taste one. My absolute probably favorite of all time, if I'm going to reach for one though, is an unfrosted strawberry. I'm I'm just so fucking simple in that regard. Like the s'mores are probably my favorite for nostalgia reasons, but if I'm just like wanting something sweet but don't really want to work for it an unfrosted strawberry is just perfect for me like growing up there's that like propaganda like being like brought in by like just like malicious forces about toaster strudels and i was like i'm sorry big big pop tart (sighs) fucking yeah but like the pop tart is a complete thing in its own like toaster strudel is like oh like you need like your mom to put like the icing in like a bag and like some warm water and then maybe you can make a little like thing on it but well and that's the fucked up part like you're getting ripped off with toaster strudels anyway because you were getting like a quarter of the frosting you got with pop tarts Mm -hmm. so really who's the sucker here i'm telling you who it is it's the guy who goes for the frozen frosting that comes with those toaster strudels and a like toaster strudel yeah most of that frosting is gonna get on your hand before it gets on that strudel absolutely yeah well, most of it is going to be caught in that little plastic thing. You're just going to be like trying to squeeze out more. And it's like, no, I'm stuck on the inside of this plastic. You got exactly two drops of frosting. Enjoy. And that's how many fives are in this show. All of them. <laughs> They're all on toaster strudels. God damn it. We lost the plot again. Uh, it's my new product. The toku strudel. We're going <laughs> to sell like hotcakes. Uh, but no. Um, And thanks, Raphael. I th- don't think you sent a question to this show you have to the other show of uh, the yearly podcast though so thanks for the all repeats everybody here is five years old as well yes that's uh yeah i'll own that yeah but no um let's get started in here though uh and let's uh switch over after we answered our five or six questions who's counting uh to our five <laughs> episodes so first off uh episode 16 human heart and yeah um so it starts from last time where there's a big fight between fies and lakaiza 
and as Takabu's being cluster bombed, um, it is a good start, I guess. Uh, but he gets pushed out of the way, and he's on his back, moaning in pain. As like Kaiza comes up and is like on top of the stairs, like, "What's going on, in that little head of yours?" And then like he grabs him, and then like he's like, "Tell me," but not that it matters. And then like um, Katero and Mari call for them. And then Kusika does this thing that is like just patented. Whenever there was like a lifetime movie of like some guy trying to like steal somebody else's like family or something, like where like he headbutts somebody says, Hey, go ahead and try and take another swing. And then just lets his like other person like punch him for like people to see. And that's what happens here, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, like he's getting punched and they're like, Takumi, what are you doing? And they have to stop him from he like grabs his knuckle to like kill him i guess <laughs> and he has to stop uh should have done it we learned some more things about our friend kusika this time uh and just who he is uh but he fakes a wound and then um we got back to the house as uh maria's uh chastising talking saying what were you thinking and then um like um that's when kusika's like oh it was me i was holding him back and i'm pretty new to this like he's just just trying to teach me and i'll work on any weaknesses and just anything he can like butter people up he's mm-hmm. like such a little shit this whole time he really is and this is so fucking annoying to watch like as a viewer who knows the bigger picture like i try to keep reminding myself like what if i was in mari's situation where i didn't actually know what was happening but still like as a fan i'm sitting here going how can you be falling for this it is so ridiculous it's such a right. weird position to be in as someone who's watching the show. <laughs> yeah. This show really like takes on a different life watching it as an adult looking at teens versus a teen looking at teens though. Mm-hmm. Uh but I'm still loving it. Um but like Mari says, shoot talk with me. We can't help you if like don't talk about it. And then he like he like leaves. Um and that's when Kuska smiles as they're worried. And what a smile this guy has. Just a one top tier smile. He's plotting some evil shit. <laughs> uh, I am so excited for so many reasons for the next set of episodes, everyone. But uh, not to say more. Um, also, I might be totally wrong because my memory—I did not remember anything that happens in this set. So who knows what happens when? Um, and then, um, as Takabe's like driving away, he sees like naked space Yuka in his mind. Mm-hmm. He's like. Okay. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> I'll save you. I'm conflicted. And like I kept putting like naked space because of like a lot of old anime that would have like oh we're gonna show the characters like naked floating through space and like balls of like light or whatever and You mean like a Sailor Moon transformation sequence? Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, they wanna show that she's innocent and he wants to not hurt the innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, I'm going to say, um, how I did my notes for the first episode, I really thought I had something. They're kind of horseshit. So like, give me a second to find <laughs> So <laughs> they get much better. I can, yeah. I can, I can guide you a little bit here. Cause I've got like literally a play by play. Okay. Um, so after, uh, Kuska does his evil grin and, uh, Takumi drives away. Uh, Yuka meets Kaido in the forest. Yes. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it that was such an iconic scene too. And like Kaido's trying to act tough, and he's like, "I'm 
I'm cool. And he punches a tree and he's like, that fucking hurt. <laughs> Jumping from a tree saying yo is such a great bit. Oh, Kaido. Kaido's so good. He is good. I really like, I know that you're supposed to be sympathetic toward Asada and like what she's been through. But when she's acting like such a fucking pathetic worm in these scenes, I get so annoyed. <laughs> And, like, he is quite literally verbally abusing you to your face. Like, he's not even trying to hide it. Please let this man go. He's not any of the things that you think he is. I mean, to his credit, he is telling her, hey, I don't like you. He's quite literally giving her all the signs that, like, he does not give a fuck about her. And, like, it's not even like, oh, like, he's verbally, like, he's not, like, verbally, like, abusing her to, like, keep her around or, like, make her feel like, hey, can you, like, please leave me alone? I'm going to keep like being meaner and meaner until you leave hopefully exactly he's not even trying to do like a red pill thing he literally just doesn't like her and doesn't want her around him yeah i think he's like no it's okay bad idea yeah and like it's very funny each time he tells her hey stop talking to me you're depressing the hell out of me <laughs> but there's um some bird sounds and takabi's there um and they lean on some trees and she asks, are you afraid of me? And he's like, uh, not really. You saved my life after all. And then um, he asked her, why did he save? Why did she save him after she also like attacked those people? And then like some sad music plays as she remembers crying and says, I've had a complicated past of humans. They mm-hmm. scare me. And I had that shirt at one point. <laughs> yeah. I wore it all through high school. Yeah. Um, but then she basically says, like, I'm not going to attack people like a second time. I was like, well, that would be like your f- fifth time, but okay. <laughs> I was about to say, like, yeah, this mm-hmm. is a promise that you've made several times throughout the course of this series already. And uh yeah, you keep attacking people. Yeah. Um But uh she wants to live as a human. She says to live as a human means uh to be hurt by little things, to love and be loved. And even more to laugh and cry. And Takumi ponders. Um, it's, um, that's a, this, and this is something else that, going back to our question, that I really like about Toku is there are a lot of like casually deep scenes that happen that do not get a whole lot of attention placed on them, but are just good because they make you think a little bit deeper, and that's one of them. Like, yeah, it might be a little bit ham-fisted, a little bit overdramatic, but... You know, she's literally saying she's been kicked around her whole life, but she still thinks there's some some value in humans. And, you know, that's in, in uh, I don't want to say unintentionally deep. It is a pretty obviously deep scene, but maybe not something that yeah. feels like it's getting kicked in your face. Yeah, it's a bunch of people kind of like talking like not naturalistically, but they're like talking as if they're talking to each other and we're like peering in. Like, it doesn't feel necessarily like this is a lesson as much as this is as much of a lesson as person is trying to give someone else versus like direct fed from the screenwriter, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it feels a lot less preachy when you get yeah. to kind of observe that instead of it just being something like where the writer's like, look how decent of a human being my character is. Uh, I love those moments in, in like movies though. Like it's like in like Twelve Years a Slave when like Brad Pitt shows up and you're just like, who, who are you? What, what? You don't belong here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, and she's 
still going through it though. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, the next scene um is when Takabe gets home and sees Kuzco having a drink, and he says, "Oh, look who's back! I-, I thought you'd be long gone by now." And then he says something. So I am not like somebody who's like, "Oh yeah." I love shipping or I love like Yaoi or whatever, but I'm just like, I've spent like enough time watching anime and being on Twitter and Tumblr and stuff, right? Like, I I see what people, I've learned that language, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so, um, there's this moment then where, um, Kuzka says, Thirsty, I'll even blow on it if you want. And then my first thought was, Is cum too hot for Takui? <laughs> I mean, probably. Apparently, right? he has a very tender tongue. So, yeah, mm. I was like, that must be fanfic. That must exist. It's the tone of voice he says it in. Like, it almost leaves no doubt that that was supposed to be like a flirtatious, like on the DL type of question. Yeah, there's some. It doesn't help that we got like two questions, kind of like about this in the past two weeks. But mm. like that moment, I was like, oh. This is bait for my friends who like enjoy writing about this. I really about this. <laughs> uh, Tommy says, "Stop screwing around." And Koo says, "How about you?" And then, um, and then they start screwing around. There's this really revealing moment where Koo says, "Oh, he realizes you weren't attacking me because I was Kaiza, but because you were protecting that orphanok." And I was like, "That's a super revealing character moment." That he thought that was something that Takumi would do would attack him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, just like a quick aside, uh, that's kind of like the like game right there. And that like when you like go through life and you're like transient or like don't have a place or like regular love, like it's very easy to like see everything in life as fake or whatever, or mm-hmm. like not believe in like believing in things or like love or human interaction. And like Kusika is like um, the kind of person who like thinks anytime somebody cares about something, they're virtue signaling. It's like, oh, like we all really don't care about things, right? Like we're just right. pretending, right? You big liar! Like why are you pretending like that? You care about X, Y, Z? You know? He's a he's a sociopath who isn't aware that he's a sociopath. Like it it hasn't even entered his consciousness that. He might be the one who's different from everybody else. He thinks that they're all different from him. And I think that informs a lot of his decisions. He he almost seems to enjoy it, too. Yeah, he does. He gets off on it. Like, he definitely feels like he's better than everybody else because of that. He, like, thinks we're all playing a game. And there's some people who, like, maybe aren't players. And they're, like, just objects like oh like Katero and like Mari are like prizes because they're not playing mm-hmm. the game him and Takumi are yeah playing this game you know yeah and just the way he starts talking from here just like that was all I could think of and I think that's why he like hates Takumi beyond be- uh, like beyond just being in his way he hates him because if somebody believes in something that invalidates his whole life <laughs> like his whole like what he is if like people learn to really believe in something you know I think that's part of it, but I also think that Takumi represents something that he can never hope to attain, and that is very much, like, not only this genuine indifference to what's going on around him and this, like, singular focus in his purpose, but also people just like him. Like, he doesn't have to work for things the way that uh, 
Kasaka has set himself up to have to. Like, he always has to be the best at everything. I think it kind of bothers him that Takumi is so casual about being good at things and has a little bit of an ego, but doesn't really protest too much when people give him a hard time about the things he's not good at. So if you're someone whose entire identity is your ego, that would be irritating as hell to see. What were you saying, David? I was going to actually say a, a very similar thing, right? Like, I think on some level he's he's pissed off because now he has a rival who very clearly doesn't to it to his mind doesn't, doesn't feel fuck. like he's trying he's trying too yeah. hard. And mm-hmm. if if you go back to when they first met at uh, the university, right? Like he's like captain of like every team, but you know due to the background story on Marty that he's just kind of like, he was this weak kind of gormless little kid. Mm. And now he's like trying to be a fucking giga Chad, but he just, he just comes off as a fucking asshole. So when, when Takumi shows up and he's like, I'm just as good as you. And I don't even have to try. He's kind of like, he's, he's pissed. He's angry. He's like, I work so hard to, to get to where I am now. And this dude just waltzes up and he he can do the same things I do. Yeah, and I think something else too, though, is that like Takobi is trying just as hard as him, but like at being human, at caring about stuff, mm-hmm. at connecting with people. Mm-hmm. And that's like not in their language. Like even like at the start of like these episodes, like Takobi's not running away from people or like denying connection the same way he was at the start of the show. Mm-hmm. And like I think like even in this chunk, we're seeing that growth. And it's like, okay this person is just like does not compute like right not living this way and like he's like super threatened i think by oh like you want to own my friends but you also want to be friends with them mm-hmm. that's ridiculous yeah and like this leads right into like um him calling takumi naive for thinking that the Orkanox may still have human souls. Mm. And he pulls out a dirk, and I was like, well, what's this? Right. Um, and he's like, oh, like you're so gullible, but no matter. Your little stunt worked in my favor at the end of the day. Mari and Kater are on my side now. You've lost their favor. And yeah, um, like the way Takumi like, looks at him like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You like believe the things we all think, huh? <laughs> like, you've committed to them. Um, yeah. Well, and I think that's just further proof that Takumi has exactly the kind of attitude that uh, Kasaka wishes he had, because he doesn't like he doesn't give a big reaction. And that would be something you would think he would have a big reaction to. He just kind of looks at him like he's stupid. And once again, if you're someone who's entirely ego driven, you kind of start to understand why Kasaka is like just marginally more unhinged with every scene he's in. Yeah. Um, oh, um, that's when Takumi says, what are you plotting? And then Kusaka smiles his smile and says, I want to be here forever as your replacement. You're just an obstacle, understand? People who don't like me are just in my way. And then he's like, want to continue our fight? Loser has to leave. And then like, he gets like um, grabbed by the neck uh, by Kuzu was injured hand and says, You rat, weren't you hurt? And then that's when, like, Kuzu says, As if someone that you could hurt me. And then the others, like, get home and he just, like, plays hurt again. It's pathetic. 
I love how like you see Takumi say, "Oh, it's a lie," and like it's like for me that was like moment. Of, oh, you can't like he couldn't say it was a lie when people claimed that he like stole from his last job, but now he can like make that leap. Like he cares enough to like be there and like defend himself. You know, I didn't even catch that before. Yeah, that's a really great observation. Um, after that, uh, oh, Chia's brother calls uh, Kiba. <laughs> to ask him to help find out who killed her despite knowing that Kiba was the one who killed her. <laughs> I mean, who knows at this point? Like, I think just Kiba and Smart Lady knows, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't even think Yuka or, or uh, Kaido, they don't know either. That was before he met them, yeah. 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 And, and, like, he keeps, like, bothering the police and all this stuff and, like, her, like, classmates. And, like, there's this, um... He gives Kiba, like, a, like, cell phone strap that she made that has, like, his, like, initials on it. And, like, he's contemplating half horse face and half human face. What do I do? <laughs> and, like, Kiba takes it, but then, like, later on, is like, I can't keep this. And, like, their paths, like, cross in, like, other scenes. But then, um, is the, here, I think, is where Kaido, um, starts to bother Mari, though. And he's just, like, at the glass, just being, like... Oh, here's a heart. Oh, uh, coming inside. Yeah. Want to go for like a spin in my car? Spark as much as I do. And he he's so freaking confident about it too. He just walks in and he's like, you like me so much, right? And she's like steadily turning him down and like his self-esteem and his stature is sinking at the same time. Kaido is so good. Like every time she tells him, no, I don't like you even a little bit. Like he shrinks down physically a little bit lower and his face like droops at the same time it is such a great use of the scene by the guy who played him like he just it's hilarious you can't help but laugh even though like you know his feelings are being hurt you want to feel bad for him but he just does it so well and then kusika comes in and is like i'm her boyfriend and then she's shocked and like for a second i was like oh are things about to get transgressive no she it's just for the scene, but he's like so upset. He's like, boyfriend. And then he asks, are you in love? She says, yes, we're very in love. And he like kneels over like he has heart palpitations <laughs> and like hits the like counter. Like smashes his face on the counter. Oh yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Well, after learning about the age gap between them, I kind of get it. <laughs> and just, I love Kaido. He's just a highlight throughout this. Mm-hmm. He, he always like has a way to really bring the levity into any situation. And then um, Takumi and Keitaro meet Kiba in the fucking street as he like steps in front of their car. Yes. After Morishida got killed. Yes. Yeah. Weird sequence of events. They just start to get really intercut here. Uh, but like so like Morishida's driving there's this guy in like a mask like on a bicycle that like he almost hits him and then he turns into a fish man who we saw earlier when like Kukuska and like Mario were like walking yep. outside the night. We don't get much on this guy. He, he's just a fish guy with a like crossbow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Chappie goes to fight this fish guy, but he like can't because he's like he like keeps like thinking of like weird like space yuka. Mm -hmm. And then um, that's when Kuska shows up and fights this guy like a like second time after their like first fight ended. And um, yeah, Chappie just like go. On this like cinder block, or like sitting, when Kusika's like, "Hey, you want to finish our fight?" 
and like that's how the episode ends like just like sitting down talking be like about to fight like it's like okay um, yeah he wants you gone like he wants to kill you and beat your ass and like just i mean Kai, like kaisha um not Ka- yeah kaisha uh kaska punches just punches him in the face like just turns around and just like punches him right in the face yeah and uh, man i um this guy yeah that's all i'll say there's a couple more scenes like where like takumi talked to like katero but it's basically just hey why aren't you defending yourself and it's just like oh like i don't need to or like oh like i'm not gonna like tell you what's wrong but we kind of like get all of that next time too mm. but uh episode 17 takumi revival you have this one stuff i do um yeah so we it's kind of weird how we open up on this one because usually if we open up on a battle we're kind of like going through the highlights of it but it seems like we missed this entire battle they're kind of at the end part now and um uh takumi and Kasaka on top of a tower and it, the big thing with Takumi right now is he keeps hesitating because he has these flashbacks of Asada saying she just wants to live her life she wants to be alive um so because of that Kasaka is able to get the uh blow on him and he dr- detransforms as he hits the ground uh, <clears throat> and then we have the opening great song and everything but then we open up and uh takumi is kind of recovering in the bed but with mari and kataro um standing around him kind of like giving him a bit of peer pressure about why he's not kind of up to par with his fighting right now Mm -hmm. um i love that first fight scene though because like they're just fighting on a crane at some docks and like they're having (laughs) a sword fight and Mm -hmm. like his like sword falls down like burst a pipe yeah, um, yeah, and their eyes, their halogen eyes, look so great. It like in that scene, but yeah, yeah. For a scene where there's like no dialogue, it the fight itself is really, really great. He kind of is refusing to answer any of their questions about why he isn't fighting on the level he was before. And uh, Mari, in a kind of bitchy way, I'll just say, is just like, well, I guess this is the end of us after all, which. It kind of is rough for him to hear, I think, because he's already been hearing that from uh, mm. Kazaka this entire time. So it's weird, you know, to just be hearing it from them, too. But then they leave and he comes in and um, he taunts Takumi about losing Fies and his refused, excuse me, his absolute refusal to fight right now. So it's another one of those frustrating scenes where you're like, you know, his buddies are just like. 12 feet away <laughs> and if they would just walk back in they'd hear what a big dick this guy is yeah i like just do want to point out here that um it's at this point only takumi knows that you could be like a good person and be like an orphanuk just yeah. like how later on like kiba is like who's fies by the way yeah i've only met him twice <laughs> right like there's a lot of the show that hasn't actually like crossed over yet between like those plot lines. Yeah, I noticed that there's actually uh, several of them now that if certain people would just talk to each other, we could resolve this entire show in one or two episodes. But, you know, what fun is that? And to the show's credit, like it's like, oh, why would I talk to the dry cleaners that tried to steal my car about 
like right. my life. Yeah. I mean, everyone they, else does. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> oh, if Kiba came in and was like, hey, Katero, could you help my dead girlfriend's brother find her murderer? Oh, Katero would be down to help. He'd be like, yeah, sure. No problem. Let's do it. He totally would, yeah, and would, like, be the first one to, he would lecture you about being the one that murdered her, he'd, like, but then he'd tell you it was okay, and you're still beautiful, and he loves you. Yeah, um, I think the next scene is, like, where Morshi, like, wakes up in Kiba's apartment, and Kiba does a very bad job at the, the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this entire thing, you know, poor Morshi did, like, he's obviously been through it. Like, very clearly. And so he wakes up and he thinks he's been in some kind of accident. And, of course, <sighs> Yuji's just, like, stubbornly trying to be as honest as he can. And he's like, I, you know, you were attacked, this, that, and the other. And the brother's like, well, I don't care about any of that. All I care about is finding who murdered my sister. And um, so <laughs> he, Yuji gives him back the gift which was that uh the beaded charm thing i couldn't yeah. was that supposed to be like a bracelet or like a cell phone charm it's it's a bracelet i think okay yeah the problem though is that like like kiba knows he was attacked by an orphanoc and he's not dead so kiba knows he has the power to murder people mm -hmm. and also that he doesn't have any control or knowledge of it and he completely does nothing to like prevent what happens or happening <laughs> does he though because like to me that didn't seem obvious yeah that was kind of my thing too because up to this point that was actually one of my notes on the episode you just covered was did we already know that someone could become an orphan just purely out of like deep anger no. like her brother did like because i felt like that was new information to me but maybe i'd missed something so i kind of feel like morishita was an anomaly even among a giant set of anomalies he got attacked by the fish guy last episode like he was like driving and then like the person he hit turned into the fish guy and, and like tentacled him oh i oh i'd completely forgotten about that okay did he? yeah i'm sorry i was sitting here thinking how did he just like get angry enough to become a monster but no you're right it really wasn't enough of a seed for, right but basically like it was like oh he almost hits some guy we don't see him. He just looks like a guy like going to the fish market or whatever. And he transforms into the fish guy. And then he attacks him. It's like a two second scene. It's, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That, that explains it then. Cause I was, I had that question too. I was like, yeah, it does. Yeah. I was, I was kind of lost with that. Yeah. I was like, how did he get so mad? He turned into an orphan. That's weird. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, because it, why was, has that not been the case for several people in this series? But okay. Yeah. That makes sense. He got so mad that he died and he happened to be an orphan. He was dead inside. Yeah. I feel like that's my yeah. future, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm sorry. That's right. So, Yuji returns that bracelet and lets the brother assumes it's because he's found another woman to love. And um, he just lets Morishita think that. He doesn't argue with him. He doesn't try to plead his case. He just asks him what he's going to do when he finds the murderer. And he is concerned, but obviously is still not concerned enough to act when the brother says he's going to murder whoever the murderer is. 
I will sell my soul to the devil to get my hands on her killer. I'm going to go to her college, too. Yeah, I love how he's just like, well, that's not something I should seriously worry about. Motherfucker. If you want to see a Kamen Rider series about going to somebody's college with intent to murder people um, and find your missing sibling, Kamen Rider Ryuki is for you. Oh, there you go. (laughs) The next scene is... Kuska ironing. Yes, he's ironing a shirt um, because he's clearly made himself very much at home in this business. And uh, Takumi comes in to tell him he might be right about him. He might be done fighting monsters, but he's not right about anything else. But uh, Kasaka kind of just ignores that whole thing and says, yeah, it's great that you're leaving because I need to take over this group, but then informs him, I don't really care who is a monster and who isn't. I just want to fight to challenge myself. So that's when it really cements that this dude is a complete fucking sociopath, if you hadn't picked up on that up to this point. Well, there will be some ch- chances to amend that prognosis as we go. That's all I'll say. <laughs> very true um yeah so we switch over to Morshida is uh apparently visiting with some dude who's kind of a street thug but who knew his sister when she was still alive um and he just watched a tv in yeah his apartment. this poor dude like he's just enjoying his day when this fucking psycho walks up to his door to ask about his dead sister anyway um it's a guy pointed out look she had some less than modest qualities. Like she would have attracted some negative attention just Mm. by virtue of how she presented herself in the crowd she hang out with. So, um, he ends up kind of like walking off stunned. Like this had never been a possibility to him in the past. Um, yes. And that's kind of the scene where I'm like, this infuriates him enough that he wills himself into becoming a monster. Cause they've got this like really dramatic scene in front of some train tracks. And that's when he becomes one for the first time. So like, I kind of feel bad for Chie cause like as a character, all we know is that like her first serious boyfriend went into a coma that he was never going to get out of. Um, and then after a year of visiting his bedside, she started dating his cousin and suddenly it's like, man, she's a slut. And I was like, I, I don't I don't know if that's true. Like mm. she did kind of freak out when she was like, Oh, it was him, it was him, like blaming everyone for the murder of her boyfriend. That's that's the part that pissed me off, honestly. Like everything else I thought was understandable, but the second she gets in trouble and she immediately blames him, I'm like, okay, bitch. Like Like we don't know though. We, like we all we saw originally was like, oh, they're, you know, together, whatever, before Kiba had the accident. But, like, we don't know what she was actually doing. We just assume that True. because that's right. what we saw on screen. It is possible that she lived a full and complete life besides just accusing people of murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that she deserved to. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't either. I'm not making a value judgment. That was entirely for the comedy. Everybody relax. Please don't Twitter me any responses about this. I don't check Twitter. Yeah. I'll say it. <laughs> I didn't. Yep, there you go. <laughs> Weird production note that I just like found this super offhandedly, but um the guy watching TV is watching B-roll TV of one of the producers 
and like he was a producer on a bunch of toku shows so like the same like tv that people are watching is just like him doing magic tricks or whatever it's on uh this show and it's on pretty guardian sailor moon so it's like okay that's hilarious the fuck okay yeah. <laughs> pretty guardian sailor moon's weird because it has like some like staff and like it like reuses some suits from like common rider and like super sentai from the 90s uh i've only watched like half of it but it's pretty janky in a fun way <laughs> is that the one that you and Allie do shit mm-hmm. together yeah okay so i'm gonna have to start watching that as i listen to your episodes at the same time so i can get like the full director's cut experience oh we haven't done that show for a while but we might come back at some point and just like finish that show um <laughs> so, well i'll start up with whatever episodes you guys have and just take it from there i think it'd be a hell of a lot more interesting like having people explain to me the inside jokes while it happens um what is next next is another scene back to the main crew oh uh takumi is having an emo day at the batting cages yes <laughs> he's um he's thinking of osada again although uh in slightly less than nude terms um and also kind of thinking about all the negativity he's taken on lately because he hasn't really bothered to explain himself with Kasaka so he's not only playing like the memory of her saying she wants to be alive but of everybody else kind of telling him that he sucks for not being willing to fight right now and not really explaining why so he's going through it he's he's having a rough Takumi day a rough Takumi day is the subtitle of this episode I think I like that the rough Takumi day awesome awesome (laughs) and here's where the show is like also we would love it if you took these two characters and wrote fan fiction about them and shipped them as boyfriends. Because <laughs> Kiba shows up. Yeah, because how have they already not? Like, these two are so, especially in this next set of scenes, they're so fucking sweet to each other. Like, yeah. you almost can't. Kiba shows up with a fucking kerchief and is like, oh, I'm smiling at you. Willing to dry his tears for him, despite how, like, unmasculine that would look. Like, he doesn't even care. He just sees someone in distress, and he wants to take care of them. Tommy says, cut it out and not cry. And the Kiba says, you know, I'm glad we met. It's almost like we're chained together by fate. I, I said by homies all the time. That's like a normal <laughs> guy thing to say. That was my Yo, moment man. where I was like, man, I'm going to get a tattoo that says that just for the homies. I'm really glad we're chained together by fate. fate. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have that tattoo, but I'm going to have the uh, the logo for the show on top of it. And I'm just, it's, that's what it's going to say. Do you want to go fight in the abandoned quarry later? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Chained to the homies by fate. Know what they say, like quarries before. I have nothing that rhymes a good up uh, with that, but. <laughs> um, Worries. And the talk says, no, we're not. Probably. <laughs> maybe it's a strong perhaps yeah just he hates that people try to make the story but also he's like maybe i'm in a story maybe i'm a hero <laughs> i like that and that's when Kiba's like i could listen and the talk is like it's nothing i don't want to talk about it yeah i think it's it's actually kind of nice how they do this though because they uh, they show this interaction between them in like a way that would be kind of masculine like this is bigger than i can talk about 
But on the other hand, they don't do it in like a toxic way. Like, no, I can't show emotion. They're both just like admit to the fact it's too big for them to be able to talk about and just kind of carry on with the scene and make it like this natural part of communication, which I think is pretty neat. They're like smiling at each other. They're like complimenting each other. They're like blushing and like demurring. I was like, what is this? Yeah. It's just, you know, roommates. Yeah. 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 Roommates. Mm -hmm. They were the best friends. (laughs) Best friends to the end. Just gals being pals. (laughs) In that scene, they look like it. So, yeah. Kiba says, there's something bothering me, something very painful. And then, like, that's when Takumi looks at him. And then Takumi's like, do you want to talk about it? Kiba says, no. This is not really something we could talk about. Even if I did, can't be fixed. Yeah. And then Takumi says, yeah, same. And then he grabs this bright pink baseball bat and, like, just goes to the batting cages. Goes to hit some balls in a very masculine way. Uh, to skip a scene, though, but, like, I wrote the boys are baiting, they're batting together in the batting cages, like, uh-huh. two seats from now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Kiba also says another line that I'm always saying to my homies. They say life is all about learning to be strong. Is that for shows that's so good about not doing that for the most part? I was really surprised at how ham handed that lesson on morality was. Especially because you just had like Morishita just having this whole like weird played out ethical scene with his sister's honor and like everything he's going through and then just to drop that in there i'm just like guys come on i've got whiplash like we can't do that man life's tough my guy <laughs> yeah and just this whole scene is like this feels like it's being written in like a romance like but how strong can they expect someone to be then like Toppy says don't know i like to know myself I'm like oh okay <laughs> shit <laughs> Well, I see who the top is. And their hits start the scene not synchronized, and they end the scene hitting at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of side-eyeing each other the entire time. It's a lot. A lot happens. And, like, um, Katero calls Takumi, and he runs out. Then Morishita calls Kiba, and he runs out right after. And they're both right in the same place. Um, But, so, um, the scene between these, though, was when, like, Morishita went back to that dude's house right he did and it's it's an even more odd scene and kind of points to the issues Morshita's dealing with like mentally because he quite literally walks up to the dude and begs him to take back what he said about his sister like there is a rational part of him still that knows that for whatever reason this has lived in his head rent free and it needs to go away because he's about to be violent if it doesn't so, of course, as soon as the dude blows him off, he transforms. Heard you talking shit. And we get him very easily, like, turning this street thug into ash meat, essentially. Oh, yeah, he just straight up kills him. Like, he's like, uh, you said bad word about my sister. Now you're dead. Yeah. Well, what's even weirder than that, too, is, like, after he calls Yumi and he's kind of sitting there reflecting, it's only, like, half a second before he's already justified this to himself and said that, no, this dude fucking insulted my sister and this is how I'm going to deal with this going forward. Like, whatever 
happens whoever I kill it's in the name of protecting my sister and you like you can see this is like a deep psychological thing because he didn't protect her before she was murdered but now he's taking it to an extreme when he kills the guy there's like a wide shot of the hallway and you see the guy's backpack fly out and then all his CDs (laughs) (laughs) there's a scene where like he walks in the door and they have the door open, and it's like very clearly someone is like in the doorway, just like throwing stuff out the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like projectiling out the door. It's, it's incredible. So goofy. Then Cater just like runs as like got your dry cleaning. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, and yeah. an orphan. Uh... He's so insanely ridiculous. And like he grabs the clothes to run away. I was like, dude, drop it. He can't though. That's like his entire obsession. It's like those clean fucking clothes and a cool lore detail here is that like in the next scene um when takumi and like are there um we see that the guy like dusts but he doesn't all the way dust his like hand dusted but he still has like a torso and a head so maybe that's how there's been bodies like sometimes it doesn't take all the way mm. they're able to identify them somehow that makes sense yeah yeah Oh, okay. So anyway, yeah. So after Kitaro, it it's happened a lot quicker that, <laughs> than we got to talking about it. But anyway, uh, Takumi gets to the apartment um, where the victim is mainly turned to ash. But then uh, Yuji comes in because he also got the call and he's like, hey, there should be a, a human dude here. Where'd he go? What happened? Um, finds out that... That's not very suspicious. There should be a human here. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was just such a weird thing. But of course, everybody in this show is like, they're such dullards for the most part. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's a normal thing to ask. Should be a regular human man like me. Uh, yeah. Who should be here. <laughs> who's never killed anyone. A human man who's like me who's not a half ever. ash man. Yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, so anyway, Katara says that he saw some dude run off and Yuji flashes back to uh, Marshado saying that he wanted to go to his sister's old university and try to follow up on some leads there. So he, of course, rushes off to his car. Uh, the boys rush off to their bikes, but then Katara's like, hey, maybe I should call Kasaka um, and see if he wants to get involved. And Takumi's just like, yeah, whatever. And kind of just goes off on his own. Um, so, yeah, after that, we uh, f- go over to Kasaka getting on his bike and telling Mari, oh, don't worry, Takumi might not be willing to fight, but I am. Like, obviously pumping himself up. Um, I love how dorky both their bikes are, especially his, because it is like cooler colors, but it has a sidecar. But it's a sidecar. The sidecar is yeah. so man yeah it's weird that it, that's supposed to be like the standard of cool but anyway mario walks in and she's kind of I, I don't know it it looked to me like i couldn't tell if she was weirded out that he keeps talking about takumi that way or if she just is kind of over listening to people talk in general but anyway she walks in and um sits down at the desk and she ends up accidentally knocking over this pamphlet that's like teaching to cure the tender tongue so, of course, you, like, see the light bulb moment go off and she's thinking of Takomi. Another romance novel title. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then we cut over to Morishata. He's on the campus and somebody recognizes him as uh, 
you know, his sister's older brother, and he decides that this is offensive for some reason, um, and that this guy has been dragging his sister's name through the dirt, and uh, that he, he transforms and kills him, like, right there in daylight, like, right in the middle of the campus. It's a weird thing. Like, he doesn't even have an instinct not to do that. Um, in a culture where they do not have mass shooting, this is just pure fiction. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, Yuji shows up and, and confronts him, and he says that he's going, this power has been given to him by God, and he is absolutely going to use <laughs> it to exact revenge on his sister's killer, which I think made us all collectively roll our eyes, like, in a really intense way. Yeah, no, he's kind of a nerd. Yeah, no, definitely a giant one. Um, Loves his sister, that's weird. Mm. Like, he loves her in a really weird way. Um, Yuji almost confesses, but he gets kind of pushed to the side while uh, Morishita goes and he decides he's going to attack other people on the campus. Um, Beads go everywhere. Yeah, in the process, he steps on the cell phone and it spreads the beads all over the ground, which kind of, in a weird way, wakes up uh, Yumi because he realizes that he's kind of in over his head with this whole thing. And um, Takumi and Kataro run up and find him on the ground. And he essentially tells him, like, I can't take care of this. There's nothing I can do to stop this at this point. And they don't realize it, but it's more about him with his hands buried in those beads and being like, I literally, like, emotionally can't kill this guy. This is going to have to be someone else's responsibility. I would have liked the scene of, like... Chie and Kiba and like her brother like baking or something to show that they had a relationship like because yeah. like it's like oh yeah there's not much there right yeah yeah like sure. at least someone says like oh like I had such great times hanging out when you two were dating sorry about the coma like you know yeah. <laughs> um and the way he says oh Morishita has no soul anymore he's lost his soul it's mm-hmm. like, well, that's convenient that you didn't lose your soul when you were murdering people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, the woman that you're quite literally fighting this dude over right now. But, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, Morshida's first victim stands up just out of nowhere and kind of shakes himself off. And Takumi rushes over to him because he's excited that this dude didn't get the kill shot. But then as soon as he gets to him, this dude kind of turns to ash in his hands. And he has this really dramatic moment of like staring at his hands while the ash is flying all over it. The MV scene back in the day got a ton of play out of this. Mm. I mean, it was a pretty good scene. I can't lie. I I would imagine so. Yeah. But then uh, Kuzaka is riding his motorcycle, you know, trying to get to the job site that we're talking about here. But all of a sudden he gets honked at from behind and someone else is on a motorcycle leg gets his attention and cuts him off. And we get this like really quick scene where they take off their helmets and it's a man and a woman. And then we f- switch immediately back over to the campus. It's, it's Rena. Yeah, she's the, the yeah. Rena and the guy who are the other orphans. Um, so Marshida is kind of just wrecking shit on campus and he runs into Mari. He's like walking this class. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. It like, it's such a good scene too. I'm not like even slamming on it when I say this, it's strange, but Marshida notices her. Um, she like has half a second reaction to Kumi, like slide tackles her like an American football 
like knocks her entirely off to the side with his arms wrapped around her, like pushes her safely off to the side. And she like conveniently disperses what she was holding on to, which happened to be a pamphlet about this tongue healing class. Yes. Um, And he gets like, he has this, this like really sweet reaction where he's like, you're going to take this class for me. And as soon as she confirms it, like he immediately turns into a dick again. He's like, how could you even believe this is going to work? Like, duh. but you can tell it's like, he's trying to cover up for the fact that he's kind of touched that she wanted to be there for him. Yeah. So he breaks another pipe by tripping the monster and like it's like oh the yeah. pipes episode. so yeah my next set of notes are talking about how he ends up having this battle with Marshita even though he's not in uniform and he kind of kicks his ass regardless and I think that that's kind of pointing to the fact that Takumi might not be the most disciplined fighter but he does have experience so even against a brand new like monster who should be really strong He's clumsy because he doesn't know what to do. So he kind of like rules this guy anyway. And then uh, Kitaro comes in and tosses a belt at him, which, you know, gives him ultimate power. And prompts a like speech, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's actually really good, too, because he fires it at him. But Takuni kind of like looks down at his hands and realizes the ash is there. And it. it yeah. Excuse me, helps him have this really great moment of self-realization that if he hesitates in thinking about Osada or anything else, if he has any moment of hesitation, people will die and it will be his fault. So he like really takes this as a chance to reinvent himself as someone who kicks ass. He says uh, if fighting is a sin, then damn me to hell. Right. The old translation that people use is... um fighting is a sin then i will bear it which i kind of like more but yeah he he basically saying okay i realize the wrong of what i'm doing and i'm gonna keep doing it because it's mitigating other wrong and i'm like i like that he like had to reckon with what he was doing and that's like a point to like what like a show like this that, that, that like is pretty like formula can do is like okay we have a year we have like 40 episodes like we're gonna like we're gonna talk about themes we're gonna have characters Maybe they don't change what they believe, but how and why they do changes. And this is like a cool moment of that. Yeah. And that's something that I enjoy about the formula of these shows, excuse me, up to this point, it's just been the fact that there almost always is a moment where the hero has to really sit down and examine how or why or, you know, what their ultimate motivation to keep moving forward is. And it can be something small or it can be something like really cataclysmic and large. But in these shows, there's always that moment. And I like, especially in like with this show, they did it so well. I like when they match the reaction to the personality the heroes displayed thus far. And this is very much in line with kind of how Takumi reacts to everything. So it's just one of those moments where he realizes what he's supposed to do and he just kind of accepts it and goes on. I think I think too he's realized the situation is a little bit different where some people like Yuka are like able to control their powers and other ones are just like they're so far gone there's nothing you can really do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you said, he he definitely is like, you know, I don't want to kill people because they technically like the orphanox are technically still people but he's like mm-hmm. if i don't other people will die right 
And it's got to be a shitty position to be in, but I mean, it's a a great way to play a re- very realistic like superhero because that would be something that you had to actually contend with in real life situations. It's like slightly masking like behind like they turn into like dust and flame, but it is just saying, okay, how do you come to terms with killing people? Right. So I think we're kind of like wrapping up on this now, but uh, what we're what's going to happen is uh, Kitaro. No, I already said that he fires a belt at him. Um, so as they're battling, a second monster appears. So for this fight scene, we actually get Takumi doing some two really amazing finishers that I just absolutely fell in love with after this battle. This is a great fight scene. Like on the car roofs going through the walls like him like choosing who to fight and like oh like i'll fight this guy yes and the second one with him like essentially throwing a fireball from his sword i thought was just the coolest thing i've ever seen and there's lots of cool stuff like him fighting like from both sides and like pulling out his like stuff to like set up his finishers like he pulls out like his knuckle then he pulls out his kick and he's dodging he's fighting and yeah um yeah, so after that, we just have uh, Kasaka's driving out of town for some reason into a very violent storm. Um, with... I wrote Terminator ending, yeah. Yeah, that's essentially what it was. Uh, he's got his companion in his sidecar, uh, and she asks him what he knows about the third belt, and we kind of fade to black after that. I was not expecting a third belt. I wasn't either, and I was, like, on the edge of my chair, like, God, we better cover this in the next episode. I cannot handle another, like, unwarranted cliffhanger. And then it didn't get covered. Guess what I got, yeah. And then they're MIA for two more episodes, at least. (laughs) I was surprised that, like, Kotaka was a god for, like, the next three episodes. I was like, huh. Yeah, like, he just... Was there, like, a contract thing going on? He's gone. He might have had, like, a film or something he was in. Yeah, but we'll reconnect with some of those characters next time. Uh, but for now, episode 18, Narrow Escape from Death. All right. So um, the episode starts out basically where Keitaro finds out that someone is, they're dirtying all the drying laundry. And he's like, that's a problem for me, <laughs> dry cleaning man. Um, That's a me. That's it's That's a me trying cleaning man. <laughs> yeah. Um so <laughs> there there's a there's the mystery of of dirty laundry. Um and Kathro wants to figure that we you know what's going on with that. Um so Mari Takumi and Kathro also talk about um how kind of Kusaka has disappeared and not knowing like where he went. He's just like he's just gone and they're like that's weird. He said he was going to go help fight, and now he's gone. Okay. Like, super brus. Like, oh, right. like something came up. I'll be back soon. Yeah, he's just like, uh, see ya. Like, okay. And, like, while they're talking in the background, it's talking to be pouring, like, rice vinegar in a cup of a toothbrush, then brushing his tongue. I'm like, this doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It was so weird. And I was thinking to myself, what the fuck is he doing? Until he started brushing his tongue. And I was like, oh, that's horrible. Oh, that poor guy. He's just trying to he's trying to kill all the taste buds, which doesn't seem like a good idea. I guess. And that's a way to do it. But it's a terrible one. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, there is a small child. Uh, this is a different scene. There's a small child who's doing drawings for 500 yen and two high schoolers. I assume they're high schoolers. They're in a high school uniform. That makes yeah. sense. They're it like, like it to they're me, like, yeah. hey, you know, let's let's do a drawing for 500 yen. They're like little kids, like, sure, okay, cool. She does a drawing, and of course, it looks like a drawing that a 10 year old would do. So they're like. Hey, what are you doing? Like, give me my like. They they really mean they're like, hey, give me my money back. And she's already <laughs> just dipped. She's just gone. She's like, fucking, I'm out. She's counting her change. Another day, another dollar. Ha ha ha. Suckers. Right. <laughs> yeah, fell in love with her there. And then, and then, the pedophile clown shows up. The fucking pedo clown. The the evil pedo clown. Why is he a clown? <laughs> you know what? I think... Um, a pedophile's bad enough, but a pedophile clown. Our boy, Itoi. Oh. He, to be fair, we never actually see him do anything untoward besides being a okay, clown. We're just assuming. Yeah, well, I mean, that's true. So, what does this guy look like? He looks like your traditional, like striped jumpsuit ass clown with like please say fake, clown. okay <laughs> you know fake yellow hair big red nose juggling on a unicycle no it's it's the it's the hair that fucks me up though i'm gonna be completely honest because the hair is a wig that like you see people wear regularly it isn't like yeah it's like uh, some party city shit mm-hmm. yeah it's not like a red clown wig or anything like no it's legit like if you're if you want to make your husband feel like he's cheating on you with someone, you put on this wig and like hop on his shit then. But no, this is like it's it's and if you want to remind him while he's doing it, he can't get any good. <laughs> exactly. See, you have to also be pedaling a unicycle or else the illusion won't work. But no, that's what it boils down to. It's the fact that the wig looks so normal compared to the rest of the outfit. And to me, anyway, that's what creeps me the fuck out. And the unicycle and the bowling pins. And just... Yeah, it's like... It's too much to focus on, honestly. Wh- why? Yeah. And also, why is he chasing a child, specifically? Yeah, that's why we call him the pedo clown. Yeah. Like, I mean, he has to be said, because... As you said, there's no real reason to say that, except for the fact that he's quite literally obsessed with a child. He only chases her. Yeah. Why, well, like, we don't know for sure off camera what he's doing, but, like, on camera, he's only chasing her. For some reason. Get what's implied to be a reason, but they never actually say it a little later on. No, yeah. Right. So, <laughs> after this, we do, a, we do a hard cut to Mr. J, and he's <laughs> getting scolded, basically told, like, hey, if you don't get the belt back, this is your last chance. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, excommunicado blacklist your ass, and we're gonna send some <laughs> assassins after you, John Wick style. And by like hard cut, like they're in the middle of like this like lane and like the sun's super hot. There's having tea. Yeah. Okay. So in public, I know exactly where yeah. this is. It's in Odaiba and it's, it's a bridge between Diver City and Pallet Town. And it's just like a pedestrian bridge. So they just like set up a fucking table in the middle of a pedestrian bridge. Right. It's fucking weird. It's so weird. These moments are so weird. Cause like. They're done in the same style as like change around scenes, but you see how the style has changed even in just like seven years of like filming. You're like, that's weird. Well, I mean, this exact place was in change around. They have a fight on this fucking bridge. Seeing it and like seeing just the way that like 
these shows are composed different like is just like weirder than seeing like a holy new scene is what i mean mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the president's like i'll send you and chaco on vacation after you get the belts back yeah the president's weird obsession with chaco was really distressing for me he just wants chaco to have a good time yeah chaco's the homie don't we all though chaco deserves it um I think here's where Kato catches her. Yeah, so Kato finds out that this little kid is is making the laundry dirty. Like he's like staking out someone's like clean fresh linens, and he's like, "I'm gonna get him." Because he's a fucking weirdo, <laughs> the real pedophile. Um, yeah. so <laughs> there'd be like a funny situation where like someone comes out and they think that he's like stealing their fucking laundry or something because he's just like hiding in the fucking bushes. <laughs> He would have been, like, mistaken as, like, a panty thief in, like, the anime version of this, yeah. Yeah, ex- 100%. Right. So, they they catch this little girl, and they take her back to their house, essentially kidnapping her. Um, but uh, this kid talks some mad shit. She does. <laughs> she's just like, oh, whatever, Grandpa, to talk to me. And then, and then Mari thinks she's like, she's like, what do you care about dirty laundry? Yeah, what do you care You're about dirty laundry? You're- and he's like, you know what? She's right. Uh, shouldn't you appreciate me creating more business for you? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. And then Mari's like, "Oh, well, what?" He's like, "Oh, you're you're quick witted. Like, you gonna you gonna call me grandma? Huh? You gonna call me grandma?" She's like, "Yeah, whatever you want." Round face. She's like, "Round face." <laughs> Fat cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> and talking, he's like, "You see, he's like, he's like, he's like, wow. He's like, even I haven't said that. That's pretty fucking mean, kid." And of course, she jumps right on his shit. Like, what you've been thinking? It. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. Mario's got great scenes for being completely underage. So, don't say that again, Steph. I can't help it. Yeah, it's really weird now knowing she's fifteen. That's like, yeah. Every time going forward, you should have just kept my illusion. Yeah, see, can't <laughs> help it, and it's your fault. So, have fun with that. I just thought she was like 18 and like had some baby fat and like by the time she was like 22 would have like a more normal face but she's baby baby. Well, now we all know and now we're all sad for mm-hmm, that information. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Katero is like, "Oh, well, you know, we got to help her because I'm Katero." And they're like, mm, "Do we really?" Do we really? I guess so. And Takumi makes the most sense, though. He's like, let the police have her. <laughs> She's a child. Exactly. Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's not our problem. Just let the police take her. So, yeah, I wrote, Kate Rowe feels bad because he's a bitch. Yeah, that's what it boils yeah. down to. Um, <laughs> so, hard cut to the CEO of Smart Brain uh, in his evil uh, geometrical uh, office place at, mm. it's really weird it's supposed to be like almost sci-fi-esque but it's so bare bones that you don't really get any sense for what they want it to be it's he's just like under he's under some like weird fucking polyhedron i don't know right like yeah he just got off a phone call of like dolph lundgren in the 80s he just exactly to- i asked them to build a pyramid around my desk but they really fucked it up <laughs> I don't know yeah. if they don't understand the difference between a cube and a pyramid, but either way, we're really fucked here, Clyde. We're really fucked. So he has, he's like talking to some other guy and he's like, oh, you've been really thorough about this file and blah, blah, blah. 
And it, the file is basically, the guy asked him, like, what do you need a file of all the orphans in Kyushu for? And he's like, that's my business. <laughs> it's above your pay grade. It's above your pay grade. Yeah. Act your wage. Act your wage, motherfucker. Okay, I will be uh, contacting the police after this about... Uh... 100% not an OSHA violation, sir. 100%. So, okay. Can we get a definitive answer here? What is the, there's, they zoom in on a picture of like a little girl. Who is that? That's Keiko. It's 100% mm-hmm. is Keiko? Yeah. yeah. It, it's a really rough picture of her, but yeah. But she's not an orphan. She's not, no. And that starts to come out a little bit. And she's not in Kyushu. They don't say orphan. They just say children. No, she says she's an orphan. Yeah. In the previous scene, she tells Katero, yeah, like Bob the Goon killed both my parents or whatever. Yeah. Yes, but why would she show up in a registry for orphans in Kyushu when this is in Tokyo and she's not an orphan? That's a- in the scene with the president, they never say orphans. Yes. They say children. He specifically says orphans. I'm pretty sure they, they just say children in Kyushu. I, I will... Take a look right now because I have the episodes on hand really, really quick. But I'm like almost positive that he says orphans. Like, why do you have a this is 18? Uh, this is 18. Yes. All right, let me... I checked too, but I'm pretty sure they just say like uh, children. It, it's like six minutes in, seven minutes in. Uh, that's the first meeting. I swear to God that he says. OK, here we go. Oh, okay, yes, he does. What do you need a database of children living in Kyushu for? I believe the previous president created a special institution with children. Okay, huh. It's like directly after she says she's an orphan, though, like in the scene. Huh, maybe that's why. Yeah, but no, um, we don't get a reason. Oh, yes, it is. Yep, I, I can read her name. Yes, it is. Born in 1993 in November 15th. Weird, that's like... Okay, so that that's, that's like a kind of a weird wrinkle then, because like yeah, I agree. Why does he need a database of orphan children, like children from Kyushu? That's kind of weird. I don't fully remember. I think I know. Like, all right. Oh, anyway, uh, that's a whole thing. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, then basically the girl makes Katero do a lot of shit like make her a snow cone so he has to like go out and buy a snow cone and she's like i want to be an idol and he buys her dress and makes her sing at a amphitheater in edogawa not in edogawa in uh where is it uh god it's in kamogawa that's what it is he gets mouse cookie here yeah <laughs> there's this wild moment where like she asked cater for like a snow cone he's like it's not in season they're not ripe and i'm like what what are you talking about my dude <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, does he actually say it's not ripe? No, he didn't say it's not ripe. He just says they're not in season. I was like, what do you mean? Is this a... Anywhere you can get ice cream, you can get a snow cone. Exactly. Right? It's the middle of summer. What are you talking about? It's not snow cone season. What are you talking about, Katara? Are they not ripe on the tree? Calm down, my dude. It's ice and syrup. They're everywhere, probably. Quite literally, anywhere there's ice and syrup, you can get a snow cone. Um, but yeah. She just likes to push because she's like, oh, if you like me, you'll do whatever I say. She does at one point. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and she does at one point kind of imply that he might be a bit of a pedo himself. So that's how she, like she catches him and like forces him to like do stuff to prove he's her friend. Yeah. Like, oh, if you like me, you'll do things for me. As far as like being my friend. Yeah, and he's too dunce to realize what kind of like shit storm he's creating for himself. I do love how he apologizes to all the people he has like come to hear say. Right. That was hilarious. Yes. Uh, um so after that uh he not he uh marries at the salon and she makes friends with like her her senpai and she's like oh i'll teach you yeah. the ropes and that's kind of that whole scene like nothing specific happens there um other than they just become friends and their boss is like quit yak and get to work and like okay um we cut to Kaido in bed crying because Mari doesn't like him, and God damn, is it funny. <laughs> There's something about that dude specifically being so in love with someone who's so indifferent to him that will never stop being funny to me. I can't help it. Like, I want to have a heart and feel bad for him, but he just handles everything in such a funny way. I can't not just be amused. And, and like while they're having this whole conversation, we're just like quiet. Like, don't talk to me. I'm depressed. Keep his room. Like, I wonder who Fies is. <laughs> He's just like, hey, Kaido, do you know who Fies is? He's like, quiet. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm sad today. I'm sad today. Leave me alone. Yeah, they've got great chemistry too, though. I think this is where Kiba like shows up to do more yaoi at Takabi at the, the at the cleaners. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Like, they're just, like, smiling and like, I'm glad you're okay, I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> Bestie. One great line that flew over my head as a team, but was, like, um, the cool here is that, like, um, when Kiba's like, oh, so you, like, got away? Tabby says, like, oh, uh, yeah, um, I managed to run away. I can be fast to run away, apparently. I was like, damn. <laughs> a good one. That's funny, dude. Pretty good. Pretty good. And it's like, look at each other, like, um, so longingly. Yeah. And then they both say, like, it'd be the best for you to forget about the monster and the corpse you saw. Uh, and then they both are like, thank you for caring about me. You too. Let's forget <laughs> about the corpse. And I haven't played Persona, but I just imagine that this is what Persona is, like, showing up at the cleaners and having a, a like, conversation, bringing your, like, relationship up. You're not far off, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Uh, and then we meet the, the detective, right? Yes. So, Marty goes home to her friend's house, and she kind of, by accident, like, finds out that her friend's dad is the detective that we've been seeing that's been right. investigating the, uh... 1995 school room in the subway thing um yeah and he basically says like he's just talking on the phone he's like oh who's the missing kid and she's like oh it's uh kurata keiko or something no yeah kurata yeah. keiko and she gave a like the little girl gave a different name but like mari doesn't know who this is referring to she just hears the name kurata keiko so later on um Mari and the crew end up where uh what's it called? Uh <laughs> she goes she goes back to her friend's place 
Here's about the gas explosion from her loud dad. Here's about the gas explosion. Yeah, where her mom dies in a Denny's gas explosion. Or gets amnesia from a Denny's <laughs> gas explosion, I should say. Um, and then she gets chased by the pedo clown again. Yeah, because like she like sees some laundry in like Kato's trunk and gets like triggered, starts to like rip it apart, and the kid like, You suck. And then she's like, Oh, you hate me, and runs away. It's like, Yeah, I kinda do. I mean, she kind of did suck in that moment. Sakumi <laughs> so shows him to fight this mushroom yep. cloud. Kiba shows Kiba's up. like driving past us like, oh, oh, like Fies must be beating up that poor defenseless pedophile. Yep. <laughs> so he comes to help. This clown, dude. <laughs> Fucking clown. And that's kind of the end of the episode. We end in like mid-fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that leads to episode 19, Pure White Justice. They mean the laundry, folks. <laughs> so it uh, starts with uh, Robo comes in and uh, fights the clown and then um, Takumi turns back into a bike to run down Kiba and the Kiba dodges and then in what must have been a really confusing moment for Takumi becomes a centaur <laughs> and <laughs> mm-hmm. behind him and then they like smash bikes and horses and like are both knocked away and the Takumi's like he's stronger than he was so my notes are like uh Plotline based, I'll like go through happens uh before the plotlines kind of like come back together. But um the cleaners are like sad in their living room and like Kitaro's like, I didn't do anything when that orphanage showed up. And I was like, You got your ass kicked. Yeah. You fought it, didn't you? But yeah, he's sad. And um he's upset that like he yelled at like Keiko for being selfish. And then um cut to what you was doing though because she's like getting some water out of spout when keiko comes up and is bruised then like um takes her to their house and is like hey could we help you after like helping her wound and like kiba's like i'll drive you home <laughs> that's when kaido comes down he's like i'm doing a facial and then he was like a facial he's like yeah i could do a facial <sighs> and you was like why are you doing a facial because i'm a man we got to take care of her skin that's right and his facial is he has like a headband and a bunch of lemons on his face. Sure. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was cucumbers. I don't know. And then like she gets out her pad to draw him. And he's like, oh, you think I could model for you? Oh, stop. I'm not dashing enough. And then he just immediately poses. <laughs> strikes handsome face. Holds it forever. Uh, Kaido's the best. Yeah. He gets it. He's like, what's this? She, and then, like, she's like, five dollars, please. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'll pay you. I'll pay you something real good. And then he, like, goes outside <laughs> to get to the money, I guess. Why, I don't know, but maybe you need a change. You had to go to the convenience store. Just a teeny moment. Let me go get my damn coin purse. Uh, and he narrowly misses Mari, uh, who's there to deliver and sees Keiko. And then, like, Katero's there. and They're talking. And like he tries to apologize, but she calls him a liar and runs away. And like, um, then like Mari also sees like her notebook and opens it, sees her mom. And is this your mom? She's like, don't touch that. And like, she really runs away and leaves the building. And then like, um, <laughs> that's when Mr. J is like playing in the park with Chaco and she goes missing and Keiko finds her. And then like Mr. J is like, he can speak Japanese, which they haven't done before this episode. Um, <laughs> And this dude's just like, Chaco, where were you? And then the kid was like, don't lose him again. He's like, yeah. Sorry. As Keiko runs off, Mr. J gets a call saying, your time is running out. 
And then like Chuck was asleep with his arm and the president's like, this rate will be brand of the traitor. Treat the belt for your sake. As well as Chaco's. Uh Chaco. Um and then like that's when like Keiko's like, I had good times with my mom. I'm gonna throw more mud clods at some laundry. And she gets quartered and they go to the park and Cater is trying to get her forgiveness. Um so they pay her for the drawings after she explains that her mom said you have to get paid for what you get yep. at. Um and then um we see the flashback <laughs> and the flashback is mostly good except for the explosion, which is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, how badly can a Denny's explode? Seriously. Cause like what they show is like a frying pan and then they show an explosion mm-hmm. that like hits them, but it's like if they just showed the outside shot and like not showing like them moving in the explosion, it would have been fine, I think. Right. Yeah, it would have been better. Yeah. And then like Keiko's mom was in the hospital and like she's in the hospital now, like wrapped up. So it's been like at most a couple of weeks. So Keiko just kind of in my mind, it had been like months, but her mom still like has a bandage on her head from the explosion. Yeah, it's not. It couldn't yeah. have been that long right so it's a little bit weird that they're like oh my mom it's like what about her she's just my in mom. the hospital it's like she didn't get hurt that bad kid well they <clears throat> her character like makes it seem like she's been on the road for like years at this point right, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of difficult to like really gauge the experience because she acts like she's a fucking hardened street urchin and then you find out it's been like what a week and a half or something like it's it's been no time whatsoever this is basically like an Olsen twins movie where like she spent two days away <laughs> it's been her whole lifetime yeah, and they're acting like she'd been abandoned for most of her life or something. It's just crazy. A uh, bad job by the hospital, though, if there's no next of kin having nothing set up for her. Yeah, they didn't even like bother to get a social worker or anything in there. Yeah, it's like, ah, let the kid go. It's like, yeah, she'll be fine. Okay. She'll she'll hustle some street art. She'll be good. Yeah. And then there's like a small scene of like the rogues finding out and the key was like, Oh, Keiko's mom got amnesia at Denny's. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He also says, yeah, she went shopping and got her a purse that day. And then kind of like horrible and like flips his coin. (laughs) And like, I like how he was like, the most important details are mom, amnesia, explosion, purse. Right. But then um, the cleaners follow Keiko and they're like, looking at their portraits and like Kato is like a Potter puppet pal Mari super fat face and Takobi looks like a I, I don't know what he looks lady. like yeah he looks like some kind of lady a blue haired lady and they say we'll take care of you until your mom's better that Takobi's like love to metal huh and then they're like what does your mom like she's like oh she liked to do laundry <laughs> and then like Takobi's like that's why she must have thrown dirt in the laundry and the Mari's like yeah must have been a cry for her mom I was like Okay. Yeah. Cool. Sure. Uh, she buys a new purse. And Kidero's like, you could have had us buy it. And she's like, no, it means more of it comes from me. And then they go to her mom in the hospital and she doesn't remember her. And she's like, she, my mom hates me. Kidero's like, no, she's hurt. She, she's hurt. I, I'll also point out that even though her mom didn't remember her, like as a grown mm. woman, she sh- still shouldn't have been that big of a dick to a kid. Eh, she's got amnesia. <laughs> she hates kids, actually. She has amnesia, but, like, does her uh, root self just hate kids in general? 
because she Maybe. was kind of an asshole. How did they get in there without a nurse introducing her and being like, hey, here's your daughter? That's true. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Cater says, I'll never stop holding your hand. And then a pin flies into it and the clown's here. And he's like, I'm here to pet you. <laughs> I'm going to pet you so hard. Now, if this guy wasn't a, an orphanoc, Cater would be so much more confused at this moment. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> you can imagine that situation, right? right? It's like he's like, "No, your parents love you." Don't. <laughs> the guy's just like, "Ah, sorry, my bad. I was just juggling over here." Yeah, my bad. Well, hey, you know, just be more careful next time, man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He rides off on his fucking unicycle. <laughs> That suddenly has like a a horn on it for some reason. Oh man! But like he hasn't seen this clown guy, so like <laughs> oh that's true. He's never seen the fucking clown. So if the clown didn't transform, that would be some weird <laughs> shit. That was my immediate thought. Because <laughs> we've seen the clown. Who's this clown king? Takami's seen the clown. This, like, sh show is filled with moments where if they didn't turn into an Orphanoc and attack you, it would be so confusing. Like, later on... Can you even imagine? Oh my god. The amount of them that would be in, like, psychiatric care by this point. In the last episode, there's this moment where, like, Kiba's driving, and, and then, like, Psycho just drifts in front of him and stops him. And if she didn't turn into an Orphanoc, it would be so much more confusing. Oh, man. So man, just a fucking imagine just like Chris Hansen clown showing up because he thinks Katero's like trying to like kidnap this child. He throws a fucking bowl, mm -hmm. like a bowling pin at him. This clown is child services. <laughs> yeah, clown child services. Unhand that child now. <laughs> so we thought the uniforms were scaring kids, but we were like trying to place them in like temporary housing. So we gave them all unicycles. Just to be something a little bit more fun. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> well, anyway, he transforms. Yeah. So, so Cater, if not as confused, like, okay, it's just a mushroom guy. <laughs> I thought I was going to be in trouble with child services for a minute. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that would be the best version of this, I think. Oh. But, so, like, he fights him with, like, a traffic staff, like a dividing staff between, like, an accident. Yeah. He, yeah. It's great. Oh. Then, like, Takumi shows up and kills the guy. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> what also would have been good is if the guy transformed back into a cloud before dying. He's like, what are you doing? What just happened? What did I miss? Right. <laughs> Takumi over his dead body, <laughs> punching a clown. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And then Mr. J, who Takumi has never seen not as a crocodile, shows up. Takumi's like, you. <laughs> a black man. It's fight on sight for me. How dare. <laughs> and then um, their fight's pretty great. He's like, he's never won a fight versus him. He's got his ass kicked. And like, he's just fighting very hard on his back foot. There's this great scene of him like getting thrown, but like catching one of his like gauntlets and knocking it off. And like it's just like a backstage like wrestling brawl. He's thrown through a pillar. Yeah, it's great. It's pretty intense. So Takumi shoots his like pre-kick like drill at him and then like kicks into him, gets launched in the air, switches to his knuckle, and does a punch down after like 
flailing 40 feet in the air. It's so good. Yeah. And this is why this show like kind of works as fight scenes because like it goes from like straight brawling to like there's clumsiness there's like less power so it just is like oh this is a cool like finisher out of nowhere and then like we see Chaco walk up to the dust pile sad and it's like Mr. J you're coming back right but then Katero's telling Keiko you'll dry laundry for your mom again one day and uh that's when Chaco walks up and Keiko's like you get lost again I'll take care of you it's a, they cry. a really sweet moment, yeah. And then, like, they are at the hospital, and Keiko's mom hears Chaco, um, and she looks outside, and she sees Sasuke and Naruto fighting on the roof in the uh, in the laundry. It's great. Uh, no, never mind. Uh, that's their fight scene. But no, um, <laughs> she looks, and they're doing laundry. I don't know if it's their laundry, if it's the hospital's laundry, but it's uh, all this linen and stuff, and Chaco's there in a different shirt. So they went and they got Chaco like a new shirt, so he looks like he's Bam Margera or something. Um, but they um, just have Chaco running around, and the mom sees this laundry and is like, laundry? <laughs> and she remembers, and they like hug, and they say their names. Katero reacts, Chaco and the Force Ghost of Mr. J react. Takabi reacts. Mari walks up and says, hey, it's okay to show some emotion. And then uh, the camera pans up to show the moon in the daytime as Keiko says, thank you, Keitaro. <laughs> and then there is a scene of Psycho getting told, you're taking on Mr. J's duties. And that's 19. Um, and we get to 20. Uh, the Beautiful Assassin, and which is uh, the start of an arc doesn't end. But the cleaners are all working. And Takumi says, why are we swamped? And then Mari's like, Katera lowered the prices. And Takumi's like, why don't you raise them and make a profit? Raise them, yeah. Yeah. I quit giving away literally this entire business right now. And then Katera's like, oh, we're benefiting society. You're not making money. We just have to work twice as hard. And then Takumi's like, no thanks. Besides, I only weren't here to pay you back. And I'm pretty sure I have. And the Katera's like, nowhere close. The pay's very low here. <laughs> and they have that discussion of how low <laughs> and Amari is talking him down yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then in what is the most convoluted setup for a bit since the cat food bit from Changeron a guy shows up with some pizza uniforms oh yeah <laughs> And we learn just what a giant simp Kitaro is. In a lot of ways. I love that he's like, I love that he's like, hey, you're from that failing pizza place in the fourth district. The guy's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and like when Mari says, oh, that pizza place lost all of its workers and now you want to help them avoid bankruptcy? Like she said it like somebody like hearing from Lassie that like Timmy's in the well. <laughs> in my mind, I was like, okay, what'd this guy do to lose all his workers? <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> um, Hitakumi calls him a soft-headed dude, like an idiot, and this is how you get taken advantage of, and Mari agrees. Yeah. It isn't very often that they can agree, especially about him either, so it's kind of a funny scene. And then Takumi pulls Mari aside and says, it's a lost, car. a lost cause. With Katero in charge, we won't make it to six months before this place closes. And she's like, two months? One month? A week? She's like, I don't know if we'll make it to the end of the week. <laughs> yeah, we'll be lucky if we make it to the end of the week. <laughs> uh, 
at the rogues, there's like um Yuka has some flowers. She asks Kiba what he's doing. He's like, I'm looking at car crashes, trying to find more people like us. <laughs> As one does. And like Kaido's doing that thing like in a mirror where he's like taking the petals off a of rose, being like, She loves me. But he's just going, She loves me. <laughs> she loves me. She loves me. <laughs> it's all very dramatic. And the like red rose transitions to a purple and white as it's back to the uh, clover bar. And um, it is now Psycho's rose, and she's taking on some duties. And Takuma's like, I'll do my duties, but in my own time. Not, I'm your partner, not your subordinates. And then the Prez is like, yeah, well, Kiva's alive. And then they make fun of him, and, just, and they tell him, don't worry about your pride. And like that's what Psycho like ASMRs him and is like, leave that foolish pride behind <laughs> and like talks in his ear saying please that's what does it and psycho like wants the whole list of traitors beyond kiba and she gets one of those cards is like i'm gonna go kill some people um i'm just gonna go kill all of them <laughs> they're done since uh these scenes aren't connected um i'll go th- through them all right now but uh there's just a boss at a company he gets a delivery and it's the finest champagne in the world because we just do a JoJo shit. Um, oh, hell yeah. He's not sure who sent it. So he's like that night leaning on a railing in the middle of like a greenery like park. Yeah, I don't know where that is. It's somewhere. It's all very dramatic, though. It's a very dramatic scene. I like it. Very camp. And then Psycho shows up and says, did you enjoy your drink? And he says, why'd you send it to me? And she says, my treats. It'll be your last drink. You're a traitor. And then she holds him really weird. And I wrote it kind of looked like uh, inappropriate. Because uh, she like is holding him kind of like she's jerking him off. And then like fire in her hand becomes mm-hmm. a glass of champagne. And then it overflows. Yeah. And then she like scorches him with champagne bubbles, I guess. Yeah, I... I don't know. I, I was here for it. I, I, I liked it. I was just confused by it. And then she, like, says cheers and drinks the class that yeah. she made. She's a strange one. Um, And her other kill is that there's this guy jogging. She pulls up in her car and says, did you enjoy your drink? He's like, I don't drink. Who are you? You're creepy. Anyway. Tries <laughs> to jog the other way. But then this other guy jumps out and kills him. And then she's like, who are you? And he says, I want you to recommend me as Jay's replacements. She's like, I like assertive boys. Yeah. And she does go out of her way to say boys, which is very funny. And in the middle of the episode, there's also a small scene where Takuma like leaves a like cafe, but leaves his poetry behind because he's getting serious now. But yeah. Um, to go back to the main plot though, Yuka's coughing and she's cooking and she cuts herself. The right is Mari's company to deliver their dry cleaning. Cause they do a lot of dry cleaning in this show. <laughs> And so then um, Mari comes in and helps Yuka make dinner uh, because she gets up coughing. And then we also see that Kaido is pushing his bike because he has no gas. And then Katero pulls up to help him and was like, pay you. Because I guess Katero knows he was Fies. And he and Kaido knows that Katero took the Fies mm. belt. Mm-hmm. They don't know that he's an orphanoc or anything or that he knows the actual Fies. So two things are happening at once. But first off... Um, Mari is helping Yuka cook, but like it's so impressive that she's not following the directions and going in the wrong order. 
and then like I think that's when Yuka says like Quirk's like having to follow the directions why some people say I'm weird or annoying. And Mars, who says that? And Yuka's like, the person I like. Ugh. Yeah. And Mars like, what kind of person is he? <laughs> yeah. They start having a girl talk mm. and not realizing they're both talking about the same dude. I thought that was most girl talks. Uh, I mean, maybe. I, I talk about girls, so I, I don't know. And that man, Abraham Lincoln. Exactly. No, it's very like tropey. I just was like, I guess we're doing this. Yeah, uh, yeah it's it's cute, I guess. It's just weird. Neither of them asked the question like, what's your dude's name? <laughs> the way you was like, he's genuine and straightforward and really sensitive like a child. I'm like, okay, well, I, and then Mari's like, sounds wonderful, but I haven't been able to fall in love. The guy keeps trying to date me, though. You know, am I right? Uh, am I right? Um, and he's super fucking immature. Wait. He's a big ball of stupid. Yeah. This is intercut with the same scene, but it's like less. It's dudes being written by a dude versus like that other scene. So it's like a little more fun. But like, so Katero is like, not every day that like you see someone like run out of the gas. He was in a car. He could have gone and got Kaido gas, but instead they're pushing the like bike <laughs> up a hill together. And then like. Now Kaido's in his green Power Ranger fit because he's got like the like green stripes and like the green patches on top. Um and then like um as they're like going up this hill, there's like cans falling down. And then like Katero's like asking questions like, why do you transform into Fies and why are you bullying Yuka? And then like that's when Kaido says, I'll tell you something better. <laughs> You're cleaner at Kikuchi's. Well, there's a cute girl that works there, as if like Katero wouldn't know. <laughs> And he's like, Mari? And he's like, yeah. And they reach, like, the top of the hill. This bike comes speeding down. We hear this guy crash and scream. As, like, Katero's like, hey, can I tell you something? And then yells, I love Mari. And, like, Katero, like, falls down the hill. And then, like, Katero, like, grabs his ears. He's like, can I tell you something? I love Yuka. <laughs> and the guy says, go figure. I'll be able to help each other out. <laughs> so they hatch a, they hatch a goofy-ass plan. It's terrible, honestly. It's it is, but um, at dinner, Katero is sweating and eating as fast as possible to like avoid being able to talk enough to be revealed to be lying because he's that bad at lying. And like Mario's like, "Oh, are you asking me on a date?" And he's like, "Oh, it's not really. Like, I'm just like wanting like, a change of pace. Things so busy. I just want to go get pizza." And Mario says, "Oh, then Takumi can come." And Katero's like, "Maybe some other time." And he was, why can't I come? And then they like keep talking. And then he looks and like smiles at Katero and like drops his like chopsticks. And then like is like, Katero, can you grab my chopsticks? And he goes down to meet him and says, You've got my blessing, Katero. You're insane for trying to get with a girl that you live with, but if it means you've moved on from Yuka, then I'm all for it. <laughs> and Katero's like, What? <laughs> no. I've made a mistake. Yeah. And just, man, Chad Taro. He's here to stay. What this leads to is um, a comedy of errors because the next scene is like Yuka is like, oh, you want to go on a date tomorrow? Okay? He's like, yeah, not just practice. This is a real deal. This is a real date. Uh, yeah, which was such a dick move. Like he knows, <clears throat> excuse me, how much she likes him. So he was just being a jerk that whole time. It's like the shittiest thing possible. 
Exactly. I mean, technically, he didn't lie. That would be his thing. Like, from a certain point of view, we did go on a serious date. It wasn't with me, but... <laughs> it was with me. It was with me, but it wasn't with me. We were around each other. <laughs> and, like, she's, like, clearly sick at this point. Yes. And, like, he was like, huh, she go on that date? Um, But... Yuka and Kaido are at the pizza place. There's no workers, and like the owner's like putting tuna on there. And I'm like, oh, well, that's why this place didn't work out. Um, but and then like Marg and Kaido show up, and then she's like, "Isn't this the place that lost all its workers?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, totally." <laughs> and then like just this strange scene unfolds where Kaido's like, "You're late, Kaido." Kaido just like laughs and runs up to is like Osada, and then Mari's like, "Ah, Kaido's on me." <laughs> And then, like, she's just yelling at, what are you doing, Kaido? What are you doing? And then, like, Kaido's just saying stuff like, it's on me today. One cheese, one anchovy. And, like, Yuka's staring a death stare at Mari. Which is, like, actually dangerous because she's been known to murder people. Yes. And then, like, we hear Mari thinking, no way this is the guy Osada likes. As Kaido says, I'm never going to give up on you, Mari. Ugh. So weird. <laughs> like, maracas are playing, and, like, there's a horde sound for how mad Yuka is. And then, like, another group comes in, and then Mari's like, hey, dude, like, you've got no employees, right? I'll come work. And then everybody else comes back to work, because they're, like, in a train. Uh, and then they cut to Takumi, pulling up lots of pizza. <laughs> it immediately cuts to them. He's, like, eating some cheese pizza, and he's like, so you got a job at the pizza place, huh? <laughs> I think yeah. Takumi's just like happy. He's like, I guess that means I'm going to get free pizza. He's like, you guys do whatever you want. He's so happy that he thinks he's out of it, but just me thought he was out. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he's happy because he thinks finally something I'm not in the middle of for a solid half minute before then he's in the middle of it. And the whole rest of the conversation, too, like, the other two have like pizza in their mouth and are like talking through it, which is a very nice touch. <laughs> um, and now Yuka is just dying coughing, and so is Kaido. And he was just like looking at them, like, huh, huh. <laughs> and uh, that morning, though, Tapi comes down and the phone's going off. He's like, oh, why are they calling so early? And then he's like, it's for you. And then Zombie Mario and like, and Kaido are like, I'm sorry, could you please cover for us? You're kidding, I don't want to do it. Also happens at the rogues. Um, and the rogue scene starts with like an aerial shot of Kiba gargling. <laughs> Yuka comes from the like blue door though, so we know the place has another mm. room than this. I kind of assumed that, that they had like an open floor plan. Like, Oh, there's just like a bed kind of just like in the main room, right? Yeah. Yeah, like on the altar. <laughs> the stained glass over it. And, like, this whole set of scenes has, like, a fire alarm chirp in the background for some reason. And, like, Kaido tells Kiba, I'm tapping you in. And my note here is, oh, this is the second misdirect date of this episode. But then things get a little real, though, because Takumi is riding a scooter to deliver pizzas. And, like, saying, how did I get roped into this? Doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) (laughs) We've all been there. Yeah. Um, He gets stopped by Takuma, who's walking in front of him. And then also is like, I'll be taking that belt in your life. And then at the same time, we see the that like Saiko drifts her car in front of Kiba's and is like, 
no champagne for you. You aren't old enough to drink. How about I sing you a lullaby? And he was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then um, both transform. And the first time seeing um, her her form as an Orphanok, uh, she is the lobster. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, the like tail is like her hair. Um, like You'll see it next time, probably. Um, <laughs> sure of it. But they're just both getting owned. <laughs> Because Kiba's getting sabered and Takumi's getting whipped and like misdirected. There's like cool, one cool moment like in their fight, like kind of like he like loses his like half step for a second. It's like on one foot. Mm-hmm. And then Takumi tries to like get his like pointer out to kick and Takuma whips that away, then whips the belt off him, grabs the belt and like catches like the pointer from the air. And then Takumi has to like run and take cover because he's getting attacked and he's not transformed anymore. And I forgot got this happened here, but I was like, man, he got that belt taken real easy. Yep. He just, he yeah. just gets his ass, like, whipped post-haste. Just handed to him, yeah. Yeah, pun intended. And then, like, he's running, like, he gets knocked back human, he's running. And they run into each other, like, through this window on this catwalk over the ocean. <laughs> um, And they're like, you. And then to add to the confusion of Kiba not knowing who Fizes to Kuba, then becomes Fies and shoots at them and then just like steps on Takumi's chest and is like about to kill him and the episode ends. Mm. As he's getting stepped on. A step on me. I mean, yeah. That's a big part of Common Rider. Just like, can you jump in the air and step on me? Usually to death. Yeah, pretty much. I, I think that's what a lot of the romantic tension boils down to, honestly. How hard can you step on me? I forgot a lot of what happened in these episodes. I didn't know when, like, the Takumi and the Ash in the Hands and, like, the, like, oh, like, I'll fight thing happened. I didn't know uh, when the laundry stuff happened and, Mm -hmm. like, Mr. J. I will say that it it doesn't feel like we've had any filler episodes. Like, I appreciate the fact that every single episode we've watched, the action has been consistent. And it's all plotting toward the story like we haven't had anything that just felt like it was there for the sake of filling you know that half hour chunk right i'm pretty sure next time we get two all-timer moments which i'm very excited to see oh, uh, but sweet. i was really like happy here like i love the fight with mr j mm-hmm. me too and and um i loved seeing that chaco got to go to a good home because he was and probably will continue to be my favorite all-time character of any of these series so Good on him. This show is so weird. I always forget that like Chaco shows up. It it it's fucking insane. Yeah, I I love it. It's insane, but it's fun. The whole episode was built around how could we make this pizza place almost go bankrupt so we can have two boys meet. Right. Yeah, and have another not date together. And by not date, it's a dear death experience. <laughs> As one does. Uh, but yeah, um, just really quick. How are people feeling about this show at this point? I love it. I, I haven't had an episode yet that I haven't liked. I haven't had uh, a viewing experience where I felt like it would be a chore to continue on. I just, I've really enjoyed this series. What are you feeling, David? Um, I'm enjoying it more than Deno. Um, just maybe because I think it's just a little bit better. I like the character um group more than I did in Deno, but Deno has some mm-hmm. some great characters. 
yeah i'm i'm enjoying it uh like yeah not maybe as much as garo but it's pretty close yeah like like this show is um to me what i kind of um base the rest of my thoughts on like what toku or the camaraderie is i'm just like yeah characters and man i was just like <laughs> forgot how contrived of it was but like it's not in a bad <laughs> it works if it works and it doesn't if it doesn't right. so you have to have right. characters like appelling but a lot of times like man this pizza restaurant huh <laughs> but uh just in case uh you got to the end and don't know uh next time in two weeks we're looking at episodes 21 through 25 um people have asked so i am going to say we are not doing the movie after 25 that would be a bonkers time to do it <laughs> is that might technically be what it takes place but it super does not fit there naturally um so probably the end of the show will do the movie um yeah as someone who accidentally watched the first part of the movie when we started the series i absolutely in favor of saving that to the very end because it's it's a different experience does the movie make any more sense in context now actually severely less uh. <laughs> which is why i recommend <laughs> waiting until the end of the series <laughs> <laughs> technically people say the movie is like an alternate last 25 episodes plus a year or two of it's, the show and it's dark as fuck man it's just so dark it's not canon <laughs> it's canon to me <laughs> canon me yes <laughs> and then um on the other show uh so in one week's time uh we'll be looking at episodes um 38 and 39 of uh, Kamarada Geats uh, and talking about Geats X Revice Desire Battle Royale that's the uh, December movie I might have got that name wrong because who knows but um, it's hell. the December crossover movie it also has Kamarada Ryuki characters in it um, just for fun that's a, that's yeah. a lot of that's a long name for a movie it's like a writer versus writer royale so they also are like and these are other writers that fought each other Gotcha. Oh, okay. Sometimes they just do stuff for these crossovers. Yeah, I could see that. But no. Um, with that though, we have a couple questions that we always ask at the very end. So, who are our top three favorite characters this time, everyone? Hmm. Okay. Um, I think I can answer this one. Uh, let's go. The bottom one is probably. I like Yuka in this set. Uh, number two, I'll say Takumi. And number one is Kaido. Kaido's so good. Oh, what do you think, uh, Steph? Um, uh, he was cheesy as hell, but I really like Morishita's character. Um, I, he had a very bizarre reaction to his sister's death, but I, I kind of understand like getting an obsession with something and not always reacting in a healthy way. So I, I liked the way his character kind of played out. Um, man, that's tough. I'm gonna say the uh, I don't remember her name. The bartender Psycho. when she becomes an assassin. Yes, yes, very much liked her, and uh, she actually has some of my favorite scenes from this set of episodes. Um, and no, I think I I chose Kasaka last time. So um, I'm gonna go with the uh, the orphan girl. Or I guess not orphan. The uh the hustler girl. Uh, Kekel. 
her, her whole uh, thing with drawing those teenagers' pictures and then, like, disappearing as they're freaking out was probably my favorite thing to happen in a while. So I had a good long giggle out of that. And I just, I enjoyed her, like, fearlessness and calling the boy's grandpa and telling Mari she had a fat face. Like, everything about her character just made me laugh. Yeah, um, I'd give Kaido number three just because he keeps on delivering, uh, have a ton to do here but i really liked him throughout this episode chunk um keiko number two she's pretty all right for like a two episode character it doesn't kind of match that she's like been homeless for two days and she's like, <laughs> this, like street cracking like wise like hustler right. um and then number one probably taco because i like his arc with just like dealing with this character like usako who's just like hey everything that like that bad voice that you hear in your head is real and that's how some people think and right. act um you know um and what was our favorite tokusatsu uh an effect of a fight a suit oh i know this one for me how, yeah. ca- how could it not be when when fucking uh Fies kicks jay and then he gets hit up in the air and he like flying punches him into the floor like there's that one. Actually, I have two. There's that one, and then there's when the when he fights the two orphanox and the the weird crossbow fishman orphanox shows up, and it like shoots a a harpoon at him, and he just like backhands it out of the air. Stuff like that just gets me like, mm, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, that's sick. What do you think, Steph? Mine is also from, or actually I have two also. My first one is from that same battle, but it's where um, when he's defeating the second Orphanok and he does that fucking fireball from his sword and sends it down and then he does the attack so he's like surrounded by fire. Like that whole scene was so awesome. Um, But I also like when the uh, bartender does her first assassination and she kills him with a champagne glass like spilling over just because i thought that was such a cool digital effect so i mean this chunk of episodes we had a lot of really great moments but those were two of my favorite for sure yeah um hmm. my favorites here um i think the puppet they got for chaco is really great all oh, times yeah. uh but no uh more seriously um that fight scene um i like both the big fight scenes but um the one with um mr jade is the way like it feels so like heavy mm-hmm. and like the hits are like mattering is really cool and like that like big final scene um i do also just like um appreciate how they like did their best to like with having like a limited like budget make the like centaur versus like motorcycle fight scene work it looks pretty cool and like if you're like a kid you'd be like oh that's cool like they hit each other and they fell back um last question best outfits best fashion what were the people wearing that we liked the most this time this one is yeah i mean come on that man got (laughs) riz yeah it's fashion icon honestly nobody can top it he wants to riz Mm. that baby gronk we always say it (laughs) i on i mean everyone kind of just like wears their own thing like no one stood out this set to me anyway mm-hmm. yeah i'm kind of feeling the same i i like a uh, kitaro i enjoy his look but it's the same one he does every week so it doesn't really stand out but with his um having a hoodie underneath a t-shirt look 
It just, he looks fucking comfortable in every scene he's in, so. I mean, the girl got in an idol costume, does that count? That's true, and she actually sings a pretty catchy song, even if her tone was off the entire time. So, yeah, she got to live out her Disney princess dream. She's singing like a 10-year-old. That's all yep, yep. I'm so much yep. do. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I guess for me, I'd say, um, how the Kaidos look, I guess? Like, uh, his mid-episode, just like, whatever kind of weird hat he's wearing and like his, his like button down shirt just like pushing his like random motorcycle through town i don't know <laughs> good vibes there oh um, yeah and yeah as we get ready to plug ourselves like the mighty bear uh where can people find you stuff uh dot com, and um we are finally in the process of recording some new material so hopefully we can get on a better schedule than we have been David. Uh, you can catch me on David. the Tokyo Fresh podcast uh, every week, either on YouTube because we stream live or um, just wherever you find podcasts. And uh, you can find uh, me uh, on Twitter, comment at James Forge, on co host at James D, the podcast uh, on co host at Common Ride, on Twitter at Common Ride with me. There is CommonRideP.com for episodes and articles. There is a slash merch links out to our merch store. All proceeds going to the Trevor Project. There is a slash episodes links out different platforms. Please rate and review on our podcast. Uh, you can send in questions uh, to podcast.com. Um, when there's five of them, we'll vibe with them. <laughs> and then um, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I have one, but do we have any lessons coming out of this episode? Sometimes that little pitiful looking homeless child is just mean. <laughs> and she calls you a fat face for no reason. Steph, I've been telling you that's a raccoon for years, and you, every day you keep just... <laughs> the eyeliner the is on point. I don't want to hear it. Um, I guess big lesson for me is if somebody loses all their workforce, don't work for them. There's probably a reason for that, right? Stay away, yeah. Ever since Garo, where you told me that like people can just like get jobs like super short term in japan like david i was like if anyone doesn't have a workforce that's a them thing yeah probably <laughs> david don't fuck with clowns <laughs>